You know, from the beginning, Christ's community has clung to a vision of joining Jesus uh, outside the gates. Uh, that vision is a vision that reminds us that Christ went outside of a ton of societal norms. He went outside of uh, what everyone expected. Uh, he went outside of the city to die on a cross for you and I. And our vision to join him there, as we read in Hebrews 13, always causes us to, to push back and to think about where Jesus is. We want to join him on the outside, but where is he that we would stand with him? And certainly in times like these, and what's happened specifically uh, in the, the past couple of weeks as it relates to, to the racial divide in America, and we know that Jesus is standing with the hurting. He is standing with the hurting. And we want to stand with Jesus in those moments. Um, and so this morning, we're, we'll be in Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to celebrate God's faithfulness through all time. Uh, but then as we come to the end of, of our sermon time, uh, we're going to have the opportunity to, to watch on video a, a conversation that I had with a, another pastor here in town. His name's Norris Beckley, uh, pastor at Centennial Baptist. He's pastoring, preaching this morning. And I was so thankful for that time with him this week. He's, uh, he's really rose to the occasion and become a great leader. Uh, he's been a great leader, but he's really rose to the occasion these last couple of days. So I'm looking forward to that time with you guys. Hey, uh, a couple of, of things as you guys uh, find Hebrews 3 and as we begin our time this morning. Uh, if you're new with us today, we want to encourage you. We want to connect with you. We want to learn your story. We want to help you get connected to, to a group or to a person. Uh, if that's you, you can text at new, the number 2, CCC, new 2 CCC to 81010 and we'll connect with you there. Uh, if you want to give this morning, if you're a member and and that's part of your uh, spiritual worship, which it should be. We encourage you to go to loveshadow.com slash give. Or if you want to give for the first time, you can go there. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, we have a, a quote-unquote digital bulletin uh, on the Bible app. And so we've used that here in the past before. But if you've got the Bible app, you can pull it up. Uh, the More tab, Live Events. You should have a sermon outline and, and, and several other uh, things there. So... Um, let me, uh, I know Megan just prayed, but I always like to pray before we jump into the Word. So let me pray and ask that the Lord would speak to us through His Word this morning, and we'll dive in. God, uh, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the Spirit that helps us to understand Your Word. Uh, thank You for the truth that Your Word and the Spirit reveal to us about Your Son, Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Him. So, Lord, help us to, to understand more about each of those things this morning as we dive into your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, over the last couple weeks, I don't know if you have experienced this, but for me personally, um, I have opened my phone and started to send a text, and I found myself forced to type these words as I started. Sorry it took me so long to get back with you, dot, dot, dot. And then I would go on with saying whatever it was that I was, was saying. Uh, and, and it's really interesting to me because in a, in a time where it feels like uh, we should have more time than ever, uh, I'm getting worse about just keeping up with people, about connecting. And there have been a million reasons why I've typed that. Uh, maybe you would resonate with some of these. For, in some cases, I read a text, I was doing something else, 
uh, while I read it, and then I didn't respond immediately, and then that little blue dot goes away, and I just forgot to respond. I forgot to come back to it. Other times, um, I had made commitments uh, in a face-to-face conversation or on a phone call, uh, and then I, I, I just didn't keep them. I would forget or it would get away from me, uh, and, and you know I'd have to start that text. Sorry it took me so long to get back to you, but here we go. Um, there were other times that, uh, honestly, I just got consumed doing other things, and I didn't make it a priority. Uh, in some cases, I'm learning, maybe, maybe this is you, I'm learning that I'm not used to, I haven't adapted to all the new rhythms that this season is bringing. The schedule's a little different, the work patterns are a little different, and, and things are just falling through the cracks. But whatever those reasons are, right, what, or, and reasons is uh, in quotes, because sometimes they're just excuses, whatever they are, I hate it. I hate that I have to type those words. Sorry it's taken me so long to get back to you. I hate the perception that that gives people. I hate that, um, honestly, this is what I hate the most, I think. I hate that my lack of faithfulness is being exposed. I want to be thought of as a faithful person. When I have to do that, it's like, man, he's not very faithful. Somewhere down deep, I hope that I just hate not being faithful. Uh, But sometimes I think I hate not being exposed as unfaithful even more. And that idea of faithfulness is one that we're going to see addressed here in this text today. And as we think about the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of Christ, and it's going to cause us to realize that we are really unfaithful people. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, 1 through 4, is uh, there's a few verses there that, that kind of just rub salt in the wound, really. It says this, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. For they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. They're that important, right? Keep them with you at all times. And then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. We read those and we're like, yeah, I want to be that, right? At least that's what I, I want to be faithful. I need to be faithful. But too often I'm not. There's so many things about this season that have just exposed that more and more. My lack of faithfulness. And our lack of faithfulness is continually exposed when we consider Christ. And that's exactly what this text encourages us to do. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 begins like this. It says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. You know, I read this, and if I'm honest with myself, and, and I, as I start to think about what it's saying, I'm like, are, are you talking to me? Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, it's like, were you at my house this week? Because I don't feel holy, and I'm, I'm really, like, I'm not sure of any kind of heavenly calling. It It felt pretty mundane until the moment where I blew up at somebody in my family. Holy and with a heavenly calling? Really? Me? And he says, yeah, you consider Jesus. He's the apostle. He's the high priest. And you're like, okay, but now I'm feeling really inadequate. I'm I'm not sure what that means. And and even if I did, how am I holy? and, And how do I have a heavenly calling when I consider Jesus? This idea that he's the apostle, it's, it's pointing to his being sent by God, Jesus being sent by God to not only save us, 
but to usher in, to begin God's kingdom here on earth. And, and we think about that and we're like, God's kingdom is, is happening here and yet we see all that we see. He's the apostle, but he's also the high priest, the one, the only one who can go before God on behalf of your sins and my sins. Jesus is all of those things. He's not only ushering in a new kingdom, but he's, he's the priest who is making sacrifice for all the ways that we're messing it up. And in light of that, you want to say we're holy brothers and sisters with a heavenly calling? Our lack of faithfulness is, is continually exposed when we consider how great Christ is. But you want me to consider Jesus? You know, our lack of faithfulness is only continually exposed when we try and live up to those standards on our own. When we think, if I just work a little harder, I can be more faithful. It's only exposed more when we try and live out our calling with our own strength. Man, I've got some gifts. I've got some abilities. What can I do for Jesus? It's only more exposed when you put Jesus and me in the same picture. When you say, I'm the holy brother or sister of Christ. And when you, when you put those two things together, at least in my life, you're going to see an unfaithful sinner that's falling short of the standards of God's kingdom again and again and again. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we would all say we're falling really short on being faithful. We're falling really short on knowing how to faithfully love our neighbors as ourselves. We're falling really short on... Humility. I was grateful to sit in a conversation this week with a group of pastors and law enforcement officials right here in, in Shelbyville. Um, I was grateful because there were a lot of really good conversations being had. There was a lot of encouragement and, and inspiration that I gained from being with them. And yet about halfway through the meeting, there was this moment where we all realized that we were trying to be the answer. We were trying to figure out what it was that was going to solve these, these, these issues of racism, these sins of racism, and this issue of divide between law enforcement and, and, and black people and, and all these things. We thought we could come up with the answer. And here we were, pastors. We kind of looked around at each other and like, guys, Jesus is the answer. We need a little bit of humility just to be able to say we don't know the answer, but we, but we know that Jesus does. We're falling short on being faithfully humble. We're falling short on leaning on Jesus. But thankfully, as we come to this passage in Hebrews chapter 3, we don't stop reading in verse 1. There's a tension, right, when we read verse 1 between being holy brothers and sisters with a heavenly calling and considering Jesus, who's the great apostle and high priest, but Christ's continual faithfulness that we're going to see in verses 2 and 3 gives you and I confidence to be faithful. Verse 2 goes on to say this, He, meaning Jesus, was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed or who called him, his father. He was more worthy than Moses or, or the law that, that Moses brought to the people because Jesus was actually the one who built it all. He was there in the beginning. Do you see what's happening in this text? 
the author is showing us that Jesus is everything we're not. He is holy. He is faithful. He is worthy. And by his grace to us alone, he has called us who turn from ourselves and turn to Jesus, holy brothers and sisters. Our broken, our sinful, our unfaithful lives, if we will turn from them and give our lives, and when I say give our lives, I don't mean not just by a word and a prayer or, or not just by our morals or, or not just by our, our spiritual lives even, but our entire selves, if we will give our entire selves to Jesus, then we are called his brothers and sisters. We take on his identity. We become holy because he is holy. We share in the heavenly calling. And so these identities, these labels that, that create some tension inside of us because we, we don't see them being true in the way that we live in our flesh are only true because of Jesus, the great apostle and high priest, when we give our lives to him. Christ's continual faithfulness gives you confidence to be faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 simply says this, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I love that verse, because so often we are without faithfulness. And you ask ourselves, well, how does this begin to play out in our lives? And what impact does this really have on, on how we live each day with more and more confidence in who Christ is? Early on in my time at Christ Community, Carl uh, uh, Babb, who was then a pastor elder, uh, began mentoring me. And our mentoring patterns at the beginning were every Friday morning at 7 a.m., we would have breakfast at Hardee's. And uh, I, I may, this may be a bad take. I don't like Hardee's breakfast. I know. It's, I just think their biscuits are a little dry. But you know, this is my opinion. It's just my opinion. So I'm, I'm there on Friday mornings for the time with Carl, right? Like time with Carl to be mentored in the Lord. So two or three weeks in, Friday morning, 7.10, I roll over and look at my phone. Shoot. I begin to, you know that panicky feeling? It's terrible. Your whole body is like overwhelmed with stress and panic. And so I get up and it's 7.10 and I'm thinking to myself, if I were Carl and I was waiting on somebody to show up at an appointment and I hadn't heard from them 10 minutes after it started, I've either left or I've texted or called. No text or call from Carl. So I text him and I'm like, Carl, I just woke up. I'm so sorry. And I'm expecting him to say, no worries. I'll see you next week. But instead he says, I'm here. I'll be here. See you when you get here. <laughs> All right. You know, that day I didn't realize it, but as I've reflected back, I learned a really important lesson on faithfulness. Because of Carl's faithfulness to just be there and to stay there and to remain faithful to that moment, to that commitment, and to continue to invite me in despite my unfaithfulness, man, I begin to have confidence, not only in, in my relationship with Carl, but in that what he was doing was modeling to me the faithfulness that Christ has shown to each of us. I begin to walk in a new way. Leadership can look different, right? Carl taught me that. And Carl taught me that because he'd been taught that by the Lord. 
Christ's continual faithfulness to us gives you and I confidence to continue to be faithful even when things are hard, even when we're unfaithful, even when we're not sure of what we should be doing. So what is it that this passage would encourage us to be faithful in doing? Verse 4. It says, Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. I love the tension of this. Like, how, how do those things work together? Because it says every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. It's like, well, if God's building everything, if he's sovereign, if he's in control, if he's doing it all, then what do I need to do? But it says, no, no, no. Every house is built by someone. There's something for you to be faithful to be building, knowing that God builds everything. And so today I want to challenge you and I to keep building and to keep building two things, to keep building your character and to keep building his church. First, this idea of keep building your character. Verse 5 says this, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future. In this verse, and a couple times in this passage, right, Moses is held up as an example of faithfulness. He became an example of faithfulness in the way that, that he led by following God's lead. If you don't have context for the faithfulness of Moses as a leader, I really want to encourage you to go back and read like the back half of the book of Exodus. Uh, just think about this part of the story for a minute. You, you may be familiar with this. Moses was tasked with leading a people who, when they got a little bit bored and impatient, put all their gold in a pot and made a golden calf and just began to worship it instead. And in the back half of the book of Exodus, he takes that same group of people and helps them to faithfully build the tabernacle, the place where they would worship God in the desert. That's faithful leadership. He gives us that example. And so when the author of Hebrews holds him up as an example, he says, listen, here's somebody who was dealing with some really unfaithful people, but his faithful leadership pointed people back to God. Now, the cool thing is that that tabernacle that Moses would lead the people to build gave way to the temple. And the temple gave way to the coming of Jesus. And then when Jesus left, he sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? The day of Pentecost is actually today that the churches are celebrating. And we read about this idea. Paul tells us about this in 1 Corinthians 6. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, you are the temple. You are the temple where the Holy Spirit resides. You are the place where God is meeting. You've got to keep building your character then. Because this isn't just about what your outward morals say. This isn't just about being a good person. This is about being the living temple of God. To keep building your character isn't just about becoming a better person that people, you know, the perception that you're a better person. This is about cultivating an inner life that, that not only sustains you, but gives strength to others. You may have heard the phrase, you can only give what you have. And I guarantee you, if your life is built on just doing the good thing or doing a right thing, but inwardly you've not cultivated your heart, you've not taken time to pay attention to your soul, those good things will run out really quickly. You have to learn to care for your soul instead of running to distractions. This season has been a season of people really learning what their distractions or their escapes are. And the reality is this, when you're longing for an escape, 
Let me back up. This may be about this may be about me, but I think it probably extends further. When I'm longing for an escape, I'm learning that that's not permission to indulge in whatever makes me feel better. I'm learning that that is a signal, a sign that there is something deep within my soul that I have not given attention to. I would encourage you to think along the same way. You have to learn to differentiate between what is an escape and what actually helps you care for your soul. There's a lot of things that we can do to make us feel better in the moment. There are some things that we must do to care for and cultivate our soul, to keep building our, our character. So let me give you a couple of questions to help you differentiate between what those things are. Ask yourself, does this thing that is giving me relief, does the relief from that last? If I need to do some retail therapy, how long does the relief from that last? If I need to go to the spa, how long does that relief last? If I just want to go veg in front of the TV for a couple of hours, how long does that relief last? Another question to ask would be, am I relying on these things to give me relief? Or am I relying on these things to help me rely on God? We have to keep building our character, cultivating our, our inner life. Another way to think about doing that, right? That, that's kind of thinking about how we pour in, but, but there's also things that we need to get out of our soul and out of our character. And I would encourage you with this, don't just read scripture, but let scripture read you. It's not just about what God wants to pour into your soul, it's about what he needs to get out. Let me explain it this way. Imagine, uh, and you don't have to imagine hard because I had one, I just don't have it with me. Imagine I have my cup of coffee from McDonald's here with me this morning, okay? And I drink most of it, but when you tip it up, there's always a little bit left in the bottom of the cup. It's so weird. Why can't you get that part out? Anyway, imagine I left that sitting here on this table all week, and then I came back next Sunday, and I just said, eh, just going to pour a little more in on top. No big deal. What happened to the coffee that was in the bottom of the cup? It's all moldy, right? There's some bad things that needed to get out of that cup before new could be poured in. And the same is true for our soul. So many times we think if we just keep putting in good things from God, like it's going to be okay. But we never take time to wash the inside of the cup to let him root out of our soul and our lives things that, that aren't healthy. Let me give you a practical way to do that this week. I want to challenge each of you to take some time to read the book of James this week. Now, don't just read Scripture, but let Scripture read you. What I mean by that is as you read those Scriptures, allow the Lord, allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, to help you reflect on, is there something that I need to get out of my soul? Is there something unhealthy here that I'm not addressing? Invite someone to do that with you, to process that together. And if you need help finding somebody to do that with, I'd be glad to, to help you connect somebody. Keep building your character. That's one way to be faithfully building God's kingdom. But also, keep building his church. Love God, love people, love community. That's the mission of Christ's community. We find it in the great commandment and the great commission. The great commission comes in Matthew 28. It says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. First, the idea of making disciples. If you're not going to give to someone else the truths that God is teaching you, 
God is going to give his building supplies to someone else because he is the one that builds everything, remember? If you're not going to pour out what he's pouring into you, he will pour it into someone else. If your faith feels stale, it might be because you haven't passed on to others what God has already taught you. He's expecting you to make disciples. You say, how do I do that? I don't even know, Blake. You might begin by making a list of what God has taught you or, or a list of scriptures that God has impressed upon you. And as you have that list, the question becomes, who are you passing those things on to? Now, there's a huge obstacle to this a lot of times. And the huge obstacle is that we think when we are called to make disciples that we have to do it in some huge mass way. Just think one person at a time. Every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. He'll take care of the masses if you're faithful to the one. Make disciples. But then it says, of all nations. The word nations in the Greek is, is actually ethne. It's talking about ethnic groups. It's talking about all peoples, peoples of every, every race, every tongue. And it's easy to see in, in this week that, man, we're not very good at the all nations part. We'll make disciples of people who are like us. We'll make disciples of our kids even. But we're really struggling with that all nations. We're really struggling with that people of all different colors and races and, and, and languages. I don't have good words for this. Other than to know that, that I, I don't know and I, I mess up and I don't get this right. And if there's anything that I've learned this week, it's that my words don't matter. Oftentimes the words that I say or, or type out about racial reconciliation, they may soothe the hurt that I feel, but they aren't helping to bring about solutions for the community that I live in. As I reflect on what's happening, I'm hurt, I'm confused, I'm uncertain. I would guess that some of you might be able to identify with those things. But as I have real conversations with real people in our community, I'm also challenged and I'm inspired and I'm committed to be a part of making things better. Not for the sake of being made better, but for the sake of making disciples of all nations. For the, side of, for the sake of reconciling to God his family, the holy brothers and sisters that are a part of his kingdom. For the next several minutes, we're going to watch a conversation that I had with Norris Beckley. And he uh, is so inspiring to me because as he shares truthfully and transparently and honestly about his experience growing up as a, as a black man in Shelbyville, he also knows the Lord Jesus and he understands the power of the church and he calls us to some powerful things. So let's tune in and learn from Norris together. To some of you today, I, I need to say this. Thank you. Because of Christ's faithfulness to you, you have become a faithful person, someone who is faithfully loving God and loving others. Uh, I know even uh, this past week, it was just sweet to gather last Sunday, and Sherry and I were talking a little bit about it. There's something that's, that's sweet about hearing the voices singing. There's something sweet about just being in this time together and, and, 
Um, as we think about today God's faithfulness, the faithfulness of his church, and, and our faithfulness to just gather together, and at the same time, all the ways that we, la- we, we fail in being faithful, the question kind of comes up, well, is it worth it? Like, what's the value in, in becoming more faithful? <clears throat> I want to introduce you to a guy named Sherman Williams. Sherman, I got a picture of Sherman, is on the left there. Actually, yeah, your left. Uh, Sherman is a big dude. That picture doesn't do him justice. Sherman is the best defensive lineman that I ever played with or against in person. Uh, The dude was a beast, still is a beast. Sherman is also a man of God and one of the most talented musicians that I've ever met. He can sit down at a piano and, and... man, the keys, and he sing together like nobody's business. He would come into the lobbies at Campbellsville University and just sit down at a piano, and before long, there'd be crowds of people worshiping that weren't even believers. They didn't even, like, this is so good. And I'll never forget uh, his first year at Campbellsville, he was redshirting. And when you redshirt, you play for the scout team, which means you're playing against the starters, running the other team's stuff, right? And it was most, like, it was near the end of the season. I'm playing quarterback. He's on the other side. And Sherm never stopped talking. I'm coming for you, lawyer. I'm coming for you, lawyer. I'm going to get you, lawyer. And I'm like, man, he's getting ready to run this guy in front of me over because the guy in front of me is tired of being at practice. And sure enough, ready, down, hit, boom. Sherman bowls over the center in front of me. He tags me. The coach blows the whistle. And Sherm's like, I told you, lawyer. I told you, lawyer. And this big lineman that's been in front of me rolls up off of his rear end and gets in Sherm's face. And there's a little bit of a scuffle. And Sherm says to me, listen, man, if you beat me while I'm going hard in practice, you're going to have confidence in a game that you've already played against the best. I love that about Sherman. But there's a truth to understand in that story. That as Christ is faithful to us, and as that gives us confidence to be faithful in the way that we love God and we love people and we make disciples of all nations, as we keep building our character and keep building his church, as we begin to be faithful in that and we gain confidence in that. We gain confidence not in our ability to do it, but we gain confidence because we see Christ continuing to be faithful as we join him in those things. Verse 6 says this, But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. And he is that hope. Christ's continual faithfulness gives us confidence to be faithful. So keep building your character, keep building his church, and watch your confidence in Christ grow. The band is going to come and and help us sing one more song, lead us in that. I want to pray for us. But today, if you've recognized that, man, your life is, is just one big attempt at moral living. You've learned today that, man, you thought you could do better, that you had enough, but, but Christ is the only one who's enough and you've never given your whole life to him. I want to invite you to come and have that conversation with him. I'd be glad to help you. I'll be standing back by the coffee bar and you can come and we'll have a conversation about what it looks like to, to give your life to Christ, to turn from yourself And sometimes yourself looks pretty good. Sometimes yourself looks like a lot of hard effort, looks like good morals. But on the inside, you know, 
you're an unfaithful person in need of a Savior. We know the Savior. I'd be glad to introduce you to him today. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for being faithful, for building your household. We pray that we would find confidence not in, in ourselves today, but in you. And God, we pray that if there's any here that doesn't know you and that's been trying to live this life on their own, that they would die to themselves today and find a new life in Christ. God, we pray for the racial divide that exists in our world. We pray that you would use us, not just our words, but our actions, the way we love you, the way that we love other people, to bring about change, to see your kingdom come in just a small way. Help us to assume the best about each person that we interact with on a daily basis, seeing them as an image bearer of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.